Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is May 12th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Not so fast. It's not Friday yet. It's Thursday, and we are on a podcast today because the WASD report came out, and I am joined today by Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And Nicole Thomas, Vice President of Information Sales and Services of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Nicole. Hey. Hey, guys. Happy Thursday to everyone. Uh, our job today, uh, <laughs> as I always call it, Holy WASD Day, uh, mm-hmm. is to give our listeners a recap of what happened in that long report and what mm-hmm. does it mean? What do we think moving forward? And, you know, the May WASD report is a fun report. It starts off twenty two twenty three, And, you know, uh, I think Sean said it best this morning in his daily report uh, that I got about volatility. Mm, yes, we have a lot of and that. How, so a little bit of that today, didn't we? <laughs> a lot of volatility. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So I thought we would go over those results and uh, get your opinion. Does that sound fair? I like it. Okay, great. I don't love it based on the report today. Yeah, well, but I, I like the idea. Yes, and it's uh, I, you're going to cover wheat today too, since Eric is is off today. Correct? Yes, I'm going to do it in my Eric impersonation. Oh, okay. <laughs> I look forward to that. And so before we get started, the Golden State Warriors are going to win the next game and move on to the next round. All right, you're up, Nicole. You want to start with corn, soybean, or wheat? I'm going to start with wheat. Okay. Now, anyone knows Eric, he is like the sweetest, most genuine guy you could ever meet. So Eric, do not get upset with me for my impersonation, because I promise I'm going to do right by you for this impersonation. Okay. So for wheat today, it was a very active day in the market in response to USDA's projections. The bottom line is today's report was bullish for 22-23, below analyst expectations, and would suggest things may tighten up further from here on out. And that was reflected with wheat futures up sharply by 65 cents a bushel for soft red winter in Chicago, almost 70 cents a bushel for hard red winter in KBOT, and 60 cents for hard red spring in the Minneapolis market. Now for the 21-22 numbers, exports were raised by 20 million bushels back up to 805 million. And that's a bit interesting because sales were still weak in April and the marketing year ends June 1st. Ending stocks were lowered to 655 million bushels from 678 million in the April report. For new crop 22-23, Planted acres from March 31st were kept unchanged at 47.4 million for all wheat, but harvested acres are pegged at just 37.1 million, indicative of the poor hard red winter wheat crop and a large amount of winter kill and abandoned acres. Harvested acres last year were about the same at 37.2 million acres, but total planted acres in 2021 uh, were 700,000 acres less. So, That puts us at total production of 1.729 billion bushels, only 83 million more bushels than this current marketing year. To offset some of this, USDA lowered demand for 22-23 versus this year with feed at 80 million bushels versus 100 million. 
exports were also lowered at 775 million bushels versus 805 million. And this might change if the U.S. picks up more export sales with Ukraine offline. Overall, ending stocks dropped further by 26 million bushels to 619 million bushels. Uh, And globally, 2022-23 ending stocks were projected below analyst expectations, hitting 267 million tons, down from 279 million for 21-22. Production of nearly 775 million metric tons is about as uh, as was expected. Uh, In the Ukraine, uh, where it's been very scary this year, just 21.5 million tons versus 33 million tons for 21-22. And that's also assuming just 10 million tons of exports coming out of the Ukraine this year or in the upcoming year, compared to nearly 20 million tons in uh, the current marketing year. So when it came to wheat, you know, unfortunately, more bad news, not what the market wanted to see and certainly not what our users had hoped for, but we're going to stay optimistic and hopefully see these numbers improve a bit down the road. How'd I do? You did great. You did great. Yeah, see, it was yeah, nice. I was listening and, to Eric. Yeah, yeah. yeah see? Pretty, pretty close. Yeah. Yes. We'll see how Eric feels about it, though. Well, yes, when, we will. When he hears it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's shift over to corn and uh, another dismal outlook there. And mm. uh, I think everybody was really interested to see what they would say uh, about Ukraine and corn on the world stage, but they went ahead and punted, didn't they? No, why'd you use my turn? I had a whole little setup. Oh for this, shoot! Oh, then fine. And you Go just ahead. murdered. I didn't it. say it. Everyone rewind. What I was going to say is, Mike, do you know one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies? Um, you know one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies? Ace is? Ventura, Pet Detective. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Ace Ventura. Got you covered. Yeah, see, Kevin follows along. Good grief. Got an analyst on the podcast here. So that is one of my favorite movies. And one of the main topics throughout that movie was punting. Uh, It was, well, actually it was Phil Gold. But you get the the point. It was about kicking. And I think um, this particular report, the laces were pointed in instead of out. I thought you were, she was going to say dumb and dumber, but that's <laughs> no, no. Hey, this is a hard market to forecast. I'm not giving anybody a hard time about any numbers, uh, especially the USDA, because I do not envy their position right now. So anyway, a tough job. I know a tough job. A very tough job. Tough job for analysts these days. Uh, so let's start with the domestic picture, though. As far as 21, 22 is concerned, no changes. Everything stayed the same. So we continue to sit at about 1.4-ish billion bushels of uh, ending stocks. Now, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Mike, we got our first look at the upcoming marketing year. Uh, and for 22-23, uh, pro- uh, forecasted production for the U.S. is at a little under 14.5 billion bushels, which is down roughly 4.3% from the current marketing year. Now, everyone was anticipating that they wouldn't make a change to the planted acreage, keep that at 89 and a half million acres. What was a little surprising 
is, was the uh, change to uh, yield. So if you went back to the U.S. Ag Outlook Conference, they had pegged that at 181 bushels per acre. Yeah. And instead, in today's report, settled on 177, which I think, you know, hey, I rather, uh, what they what they say, under promise and over deliver. <laughs> I would rather start low and work our way up there than vice go. versa. So I get it. But our initial ending stocks for 2223 is is projected to fall 1.36 billion. Uh, that's a decline of nearly 100 million bushels from this year, uh, and that pegs our stocks to use at a, another year of bullishness at 9.3 percent. Now, this is also worth mentioning that number includes an anticipated sharp decline to feed demand down to 5.35 billion bushels, so taking it down by about 300 million. And lower exports, <laughs> so taking that down by 100 million bushels to 2.4 billion. So that means we'll need either some price rationing of feed via, you know, in consumer meat consumption here in the U.S., and or we're expecting lower export demand for meat products. That would also likely be due to to some price demand rationing. So. We'll see what we get there. Now, the export figure is a bit more uncertain, anticipating a decline when a major exporter will likely be out of the market seems a little counterintuitive. But again, uh, maybe starting on the more conservative side uh, and inching its way up. Let's face it, market's already pretty strong. We really need to add anything to it. Uh, so that's where we, we settled for the U.S. outlook now on the global picture. As you uh, put it, and as I would put it as well, Mike, 2023 outlook is a, a bit grim, which stocks anticipate the fall by more than 4 million tons to about 305 million. And that is despite projected falling demand. So stocks to use ratio they have on, on, on paper right now is relatively consistent with where we're at, nom nominally different. But the relatively small year-on-year -year decline to ending stocks relies on a sh on sharp uh, a sharp production increase for Brazil, which they have up 10 million tons versus this year at 126 million, and a 2 million uh, ton increase to production for Argentina, which is projected at 55 million. And like I said, it also assumes total global demand declines, and in this case, that it falls by roughly 30 million tons in 22-23. So now, what was everybody in the market waiting for? The Ukrainian numbers. <laughs> yeah, where and, are they? And we punted. Ugh. USDA went the route of non-committal when it came to changes for its projections for 21-22. Uh, so the current marketing year. Exports were left unchanged from the April report at 23 million tons. In fact, all the figures for the country <laughs> were left unchanged. Now. If you're following the news, like all of us certainly are, of late we've had heavy Russian bo uh, bombing of Odessa, major export uh, port uh, for Ukraine, which is quickly removing optimism that even a swift end to the conflict would get us a likewise improvement for the global corn market. And before the Russian invasion uh, abruptly stopped exports, uh, Ukraine has shipped an estimated 19 million tons of corn. So, but not much has moved since then. Uh, now, Ukrainian uh, officials pegged corn stocks at the end of March 13th around, or excuse me, at the end of March, around 13 million tons. 
at that time, they thought exports uh, would come under a little more pressure. So we've got this range of possibility of somewhere between 17 and, and maybe 20 million tons. Now for 22-23, USDA is projecting Ukrainian production will fall by 53% to just 19.5 million tons. Um, exports are projected at 9 million tons, which would be a decline of 14 million from 21-22. And that's if USDA's current uh, projection is, is accurate. So there's a lot of room for some change in those figures as well. So again, corn scenario, not looking hot. And noticeably, if you followed the futures market today, we saw green across the board, but the rate of increase was more significant for those new crop futures than the old crop futures. That's right. So the market is recognizing, okay, we're still, we're still concerned about this crop, but we're growing more concerned about next year. So that summed it up for corn. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll do a shameless plug here. A lot of volatility expected, a lot of uncertainty. So if you're not a current client of McKinney Flavel and you buy corn futures or you're impacted by corn futures, mm -hmm. come talk to us because uh, it's an important time to understand and, and put together a strategy. So there's my plug. Yep. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah, you like that one. This is a good good time. Yeah. <laughs> as good a time as ever to well, uh, take a look at risk management. Absolutely. You want to shift over to soybeans? And I'm not yeah. going to take anything away from you on that. Go ahead. No, well, <laughs> there's. it wasn't nearly as entertaining. Okay, but, uh, you know, I'll do. So for soybeans, 21-22 ending stocks domestically lowered by 25 million bushels, more export demand. Puts us at uh, 235 million bushels in a stocks to use ratio of 5.3%. Yes, that is bullish. Hence why uh, we're looking at those $16 futures. Now for 22-23, combination of good acreage and good yield could get us an extra couple hundred million bushels of production. Uh, and that's currently projected around 4.65 billion bushels. Both crush and exports on the demand side, both are expected to rise by 2 and 3% respectively. Uh, so our initial ending stocks projection is at 310 million bushels. That's up 75 million bushels from the current marketing year. Uh, and that puts stocks to use at 6.8%, which is slightly less bullish, but still bullish. And then globally, uh, soybean production for 22-23 is projected at uh, 39, or excuse me, 39 and a half. Uh, or excuse me, 394, I'm struggling here, million tons, which would be up uh, about 45 million tons from the current year, 13%. So banking on a really good uh, year in 22, 23 for soybeans. And with these strong prices, good demand for oil. And yes, I said oil, as opposed to automatically saying mill, especially considering oil share is higher than mill share right now. Just a little nugget of information. Uh, and potentially another year of strong fertilizer prices uh, that isn't far-fetched. Now with oil, uh, soybean oil, 21-22 ending stocks left unchanged, a shy bit under 2 billion pounds, creating stocks to use of 7.3%. Well, the one thing that did change on the 21-22 balance sheet uh, was the average price. They raised that by a nickel to 75 cents a pound. For 22-23, we have an initial uh, production projection of 26, a little under 26 and a half billion pounds. Uh, and the USDA is maintaining that strong oil yield that we're seeing this year 
into next year. They've got that at a little over 11.7 pounds per bushel. So that's worth noting. In the case of demand, biofuel demand expected to rise by 12%, 1.3 billion pounds to 12 billion. Food use is projected to fall by nearly 600 million pounds. And I'm guessing um, that they're assuming that's going to be via better canola situation in, in Canada and more uh, oil supply in that regard. Interestingly, they have export demand falling to 1.4 billion from over 1.7 billion pounds now. I would say that is probably the biggest toss up category right now. You know, we're unlikely to have much sunflower oil in the market for uh, the upcoming year. We also may have some additional global biodiesel demand. Time will tell there. But as it stands now, ending stocks to fall by nearly 300 million pounds to 1.7 billion. And since demand overall is projected to rise, that also pulls our stocks to use lower, now projected at 6.3%. So moral of the story, this first look basically signals another strong year for prices. And for the sake of time, I'm going to end it there, but I promise I will get into more detail about this global edible oil situation uh, during my next podcast in a couple of weeks. And meanwhile, if you need any sourcing assistance on oil, because I know it's tough out there for palm, for canola, yep. for sunflower, safflower, etc., do not hesitate to reach out to me. That's Nicole, the normal Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E at McKinney-Flavelle.com. And we also have a, a quick video highlighting all the ways in which we can help at www.mckinney-flavelle.com backslash sourcing hyphen oils. Perfect. And that's all I got. Excellent. Great job, Nicole. We're going to shift over to Kevin. Kevin, all of a sudden I'm in the Red River Valley and it's <laughs> raining and I'm getting hailed on. This My car. It, it, my it, car, I see a tractor they're trying to plant, Kevin. Sounds like weather for the last <laughs> five or six weeks out there for sure. So tell us about Lots sugar. Rain. Lots of rain. Well, as you mentioned from a, a planning progress, the Redder Valley in Michigan are way, way, way behind. You know, it's looking like things are going to be at least two to three weeks behind in both states and, well, multiple states, Minnesota, North Dakota, and, and Minnesota. And I said Minnesota twice. <laughs> Michigan, did. thank you. Um, I was going to say there's two. There's two, Mich two Mi Minnesotas. Minnesota yeah, squared. Nice. Minnesota squared. <laughs> but anyway. And they're like, it's that bad. <laughs> it's that bad. The weather uh, has been pretty atrocious, and they have that covered on the grain side too. But, you know, the USDA actually took that into account uh, today, and they had to lower – the 21-22 beet crop by 84,000 tons, most of which was a result of lower uh, early harvest as a result of the late plantings. So uh, it's not anything from this crop. It's just not expecting that early harvest to get shifted into the 22-23 crop. And so, you know, you kind of get a little bit of a boost uh, on that crop as a result. But you know, I think the story of the day was on imports. Yeah. And, you know, the USDA had a lot to adjust for with the uh, recent uh, policy decisions to uh, strengthen supply. They had to increase Mexico 170,000 tons with the additional quota they gave Mexico. They uh, gave Mexico the full 170,000 tons in their numbers there. 
They also had to take into account all the reassignments on the raw sugar TRQ. So the TRQ was increased 159,000 tons. And uh, they weren't done there. The old high-tier tariff imports got another boost. Yes, they did. 31,000 additional tons. We're now up to 221,000 tons of high-tier tariff imports. Wow. I'm not sure if that's a record, but... Uh, Pretty close. It's, it's going to be up there, and that's, that's, that's a lot of money this government's making on sugar all of a sudden i'm not going to touch that one not going to touch that one well and and you know just looking back two years ago it was 186,000. last year it was 190,000 tons and it's almost like you know they're allowing high tier imports to come in but when you look at this year the usda has made a lot of proactive movements to try to address tight situation and make sure raw sugar was available. They did that first by giving Mexico the 150,000 tons earlier that had to be shipped in the first six months. Of course, that came back out of supply demand uh, with the suspension agreement management of the program from the regular quota, but now they give another 170,000 tons. So they actually have been trying to do this, but yet here we are sitting with the 16 market yeah, sitting just below high tier import tariff levels. A world market plus SIF plus the uh, duty. Interesting. So it's interesting because they look like they're addressing it with all these changes, despite another 85,000 ton increase in uh, deliveries for food use. We still got uh, 246,000 additional tons to ending stocks this month. And uh, therefore, the stocks to use ratio going up 1.9% to a nice seemingly comfortable 14.4 percent so so kevin what's going on (laughs) right well that's a good question obviously the market is fighting for this raw sugar and uh swallowing up everything that's coming it's with these recent maneuvers you know the 16 hasn't really budged but it's you know it's really hard to make an argument when you look at everything that uh it's gonna change much because mm-hmm. our ending stocks figures still show a fairly tight uh, level on raw sugar stocks. I wouldn't say, you know, it's like corn or soybeans or soybean oil or anything like that, but it's certainly, you know, down from where it was four or five years ago when we uh, really got into the suspension agreements and had worked through stocks level. So, you know, I think that's a story that's going to be here to stay for a while. We're going to be looking at those higher numbers and the 16 market's going to be staying closer. I think, you know, the optimistic view of getting lower prices is probably to see the number 11s come back down, which I'm not forecasting that at this time because mm-hmm. Brazil's not off to a uh, great start on their crop and it's, you know, well down from the 40 million metric tons they were producing a few years ago. And you know, I think we have to return to that to really see significant pressure there. So, you know, from a 21-22 market, they're, uh, they're, they're, you know, despite all those optimistic numbers on imports, uh, I think that's going to work its way out. Deliveries, to me, is still a little bit of a stumper. We didn't yeah. see numbers from the SMD report, so I can't comment on the first six months yet. Those numbers probably came out since I wrote this and, and prepared for this uh, webinar. But uh, it's really hard to see. The USDA is now forecasting deliveries up 315,000 tons uh, this mm. year over last year, which the confection industry is recovering. Beverage industry is recovering from some of COVID stuff. But uh, 
Seems it doesn't a seem like meal. all of a sudden everyone is uh, all of a sudden craving more sugar out there. So interestingly enough, you know, when you transition that over to 22-23 on demand, the USDA is taking a much more uh, cautionary tale here. And they're saying, hey, let's just leave those numbers flat and put zero growth out there. So, well, so if I'm a new uh, sugar buyer out there and I just, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and saying that the stocks to use ratio should be between 13 and a half and 15 and a half percent. And I just read this report and it said 10.1 percent. What should I freak out, Kevin? You should not freak out. OK, thank you. Yeah, but uh, good, good point, because when you look at 2023, the USDA is only working with uh what is known at this point in time or what they put in for trend line and uh, using modeling to come up with their, their growth numbers. And so, you know, they throw in some initial numbers for production purely based on trend lines and the acreage report from the March 31 beet uh, plantings. But, uh, you know, I think they said, hey, late plantings, let's curtail the yield a little bit. So they only went with 5 million tons on production for beet, cane. They basically said, hey, we're comfortable with them having good crops at this point. So they used uh, 4.04 million uh, short ton on the cane crop, which is up from last year, down from uh, a couple of years ago when we had a record crop of 4.14. But Comfortable mid-range seems like a good number estimate at this point. I wouldn't argue that way. But then on imports, they only put in imports what is a known minimum level of import. So they don't have some of the refined TRQ numbers, things like that, that haven't been announced and won't be announced until later this year. And then Mexico, I think they just kind of said, if we get back to more normal levels where we think we are, this is how much sugar we'll need for Mexico. So... Well, you put the, put that number in for place and then high tier. It's been 186, 190, 221. They only used 50 there. So obviously there will be a lot more sugar in the supply and we'll be closer to that 13.5. Probably when July, when they start putting in together real estimates and then use Mexico to zero out, guaranteeing Mexico 50% of that uh, quota number. So. Really not much to get excited about on 2023 at this point in time. July is when we can start really uh, taking a look at their numbers and figuring out where all their sugar is going to be coming from for the uh, for the crop year. Excellent. Anything else on that, Kevin? You know, that's really it about sugar. You know, Mexico, they left Mexico the same. Mexico's got plenty of sugar. They're having a big crop. The tail end of their yields were uh, a lot better than what uh, we've seen in past years. New Mexico had raised their crop estimate and USDA is now using their estimate, I believe at 6.167 million metric tons. Actually, I think it might even be higher than Mexico's internal estimate. And then for 2023, they kind of just did the same thing and said, oh, well, looking at these historical yields and uh, area harvested, we'll just throw those numbers in and come up with a nice round number of 6 million tons on the dot. Got it. Excellent. Great recap, Kevin. And before we let people go, you IQ subscribers already know this, but there's a lot of great commercial information and opinion pieces on our IQ platform. So if you're not a subscriber, please reach out to us at mckinney-flavel.com and we'll put you on a test drive, especially a day like today. A lot of great opinion pieces, commercially what's happening on our platform and a lot of just great stuff. So reach out to us if you're interested. And Nicole, do you have anything to say before we let folks go? It's getting nice outside.
I have to end with something positive. It, it's turning yes. into um, the the nicest time of year for everyone. So get out and take walks with your kids or with yourself and enjoy the simple things in life to help with stress. There you go. I like that. That That is just the attitude of gratitude that I love. So <laughs> live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family until our next podcast. Take care, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.